Welcome once again to the Brain Candy Podcast. Oh, get it. I shouldn't have interrupted you. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Episode 146 of the Brain Candy Podcast. I'm Susie Meister. I'm here with Sarah Rice as per usual. Ah, I love that. Hi, Suze. How you doing? Hello. It's good to see you. As always. I thought that... Um, you know, we should probably sit down and get together. I always like to do stuff where, like, you look at me like, wait, we didn't talk about this. I'm like, wait, what are we doing? Oh, no. <laughs> She's like, sit down, get together, talk. Wait, oh, no. I'm prepared. Tell me how you're doing. What's new? I've seen your uh, pool activity without me, and I don't like it. I know. You know what? But I think of you every single time I, I do it. And I think about how I could have killed myself doing that backflip. Have you watched the the thing of it since you've done it? Because yeah. I have, and I'm like, she literally almost hit the wall. I did almost hit the wall. And I'm like, man, think about how different our day would have been. <laughs> our day. Just, <laughs> just that one day. When I'm in a coma. I was at the beach the other day, and I was overhearing these group of, you know, testosterone-fueled young men talk about, like, they had their uh, iPhones out or whatever, and they were, like, doing videos. And he's like, oh, they were talking about the waves, and I could tell they weren't from California because... They were talking about the waves with like an authority of like, oh, it crashes over here. I can tell it's. Da, da, da. I'm like, yeah, that's definitely not right. And <laughs> um, so they were talking about how like, oh, you you just have to run down to the water and like wait for the wave to crash and then like dive right under it before the other one comes, which is all well and good, mm-hmm. unless you've heard me and other podcasts talk about how diving in shallow water is the most dangerous thing you can do. And it was like the way that the the. Uh, waves were hitting. I just knew that it was like one of those really shallow shore breaks and it was all I could do to not scream at them and go, don't dive in shallow water. I just read this article in the New York Times about how to survive. uh, They call it a rip current, not a rip tide, which everyone mistakenly calls it rip tide. Yeah. Um, And obviously, you know, not to fight it and stuff like that. But it, I mean, a lot of times, you know, people get caught in it yeah. and then someone they also panic. go rescue and then they all die. Right. All everybody does. Everyone's fighting the same. Yeah. And I was reading about this a terrible thing to start off on. But this uh, little kid had started, her grandfather was watching her. She jumped in the pool without any <gasps> assistance. She was four and obviously felt, you know, to the bottom. And he went down to get her. He was old and they both died. Oh my God. God, it's terrible. And but I, I Water also have been really thinking about thing. like the the metaphor of it all, like how they say, you know, if someone's drowning, just be careful when you approach them because oftentimes they take you down with them. But yeah. I think about that in real life too. When you see <gasps> someone that's in crisis, oh my god, you're totally right, and you want to help, but like you have to really be careful because. It wouldn't take much for you to get sucked in. And then think about that metaphor. Like, do you have the resources? Are you strong enough? Are you capable enough? Are you in the best possible place right now to Are be you doing the right that? person? Are you the right person for the job? Yeah. <gasps> That's deep. Yeah, man. I Somebody said that to me recently, and I was like, right. Yeah. And I had never thought about that before. So anyway, that's kind of a downer. I didn't mean to make it. Down. I almost drowned down. once. <laughs> This is not helping the downer thing. Well, no, but I had to get rescued. I was rescued on the beach and everything. Was it a lifeguard? Yeah. What the I, heck happened to you? I was, uh, I got, I was younger. I was probably like 12 or 13 and it went from like green flag to red because the beach has these flags that they'll put up and they'll tell you warning, like what the, 
so you yes. know what they, you shouldn't go in. And I was still in there because I never got out of the water, and it went from green flag to red flag like super fast. And I remember, and the waves got really, really, really big, and I got tossed around, and I went under, and it must have been probably like at least twelve plus feet deep because I swam all the way to the bottom to the, or I swam to what I thought was the top. And I ended up hitting my head on the bottom because it was so cloudy and you couldn't see anything. You're kidding. And so I didn't have enough air to make it back up. And, and so I knew I didn't have enough air. And I remember the thought in my head going, well, I'm not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. And then I was being dragged by a lifeguard. That is hideous. The last th- thought, though, was, okay, well, this isn't that bad. and I'm not dead yet. And then I don't remember anything else. <laughs> but then, then you might not. <laughs> but it was, you know, and then I just remember being like pulled up on shore and then, you know, like doing the whole coughing a lot thing. And I don't think I needed like mouth to mouth or anything, but I definitely needed somebody to like flip me over and hit the water. Or maybe I did. I don't even remember. But a bunch of people were gathered around and they all clapped. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. I presume that you are a person who has surfed. Yes. And... I'm shocked that you're not like somebody that's always surfing. Like, where is your wetsuit oh, well, every you know damn what? day? I have a my I have a board that I used to go out on all the time, but it in my move it got a ding in it, and now there's a big gash in it, and I have to go get it fixed, and then blah blah blah. I need to get the, or I could do it myself, but it just takes a while. And are you good at surfing? No, I'm like I can stand up and everything. I can't do it. And I'm I can like have fun on a longboard yeah. and like mess around and like yeah. it's enjoyable for me because I can. But as soon as it gets up to be, you know, anything intense, and you know, any waves that are like more than three or four feet, I'm like, yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm good. Hard pass. Hard pass. Um, okay. First of all, did you guys leave us a five star review yet? I think they have. I usually say it at the end, but I'm going to say it right now. Yeah. It means so much if if you would do that, and also if you would subscribe. I mean, we read them. So and tell a friend. Hello. It makes me really happy when people tweet about our show. Oh, I love that. Like and I like tweeting back at them. And then when they go on vacation, I love knowing where they're listening. <laughs> yeah. In the so car when they're like, hey, I'm on an airplane and I'm binging to the, or I'm going on a cross-country road yeah. trip. And I love that. And they take us along with them. That's yeah. so nice of them. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have a question. Yes. I read this article, as I do, um, in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of the challenge that is currently on Dirty 30 Mm -hmm. and how the one person on the show, Ammo, Mm -hmm. identifies as gender fluid, I Mm -hmm. think. And and people were wondering what team he'd be on, if it's boys and girls, and how he'd compete. And I actually don't think they've said. Did they actually say he gets to choose which... I feel like he said... But on, on social media, because I know that I heard that, or maybe we heard that in our yeah. Somebody said somebody that. definitely said that he. But they didn't got the air choice. it in the show, right? Right. But like, did he? And he chose the male. Yes. Right, because what would it, what do you think if he chose the female? I you know I wouldn't have a problem with it, but I think that 
the men on it's one of those where if he performs well on the female and he chooses to compete with the female then people are going to be like oh it's because but if he performs poorly on the male one then it's like people will say, "Oh well, we expected that." But if he performs well on the male team, with that, which is I think what he wants to do, and it's what he's saying he he's going to do, then I think it means he's like even more of a badass. Yeah, I mean, the, so I think he needs to, he wants to prove something. And I'm going to interview him for 15 minutes of blame, and I'm going to talk to him about it. But it seems like so we're not talking. He identifies a gender fluid, but yep. sex right. is a different thing. Right. And his sex is male. is male. Right. And so it seems like it shouldn't have been his choice. Oh, that's a good in point. In that sense. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just a challenge. We're not talking about the Olympics, but it right. m- led me to think about this question when I was reading this article, because it, it, the title was, What Qualifies a Woman to Compete as a Woman? An Ugly Fight Resumes. Because this comes up every so often now. In that book we read for the book club, the sport... Did we read the sports gene? Yes, mm-hmm. we did. Of course we did. We yeah. interviewed David Epstein. This was a huge part of that book. Right. And and I I think that it's going to keep coming up yes. and probably going to cause a lot of um, upheaval mm-hmm. in the way that competition is uh, structured. Yep. And not just the Olympics. Everything is gender like classified. Absolutely. And so it just makes... This reminds me of my friend Oliver who talks a lot about like bodybuilding and things like that and and sort of performance enhancing drugs, what should be allowed, what mm. shouldn't and it's complicated, right? Cuz one thing is legal and the next thing is not. Sorry. Right. And so it it's sort of like And what know. if you have somebody who decides to uh make the changes so that their body aligns with their mind in terms of sex and gender and then wants to compete in the Olympics. Exactly. Because now you have an introdu- you've introduced a whole Oh my gosh, it well, gets so, so a lot of times for athletes, something about their body that's unusual mm-hmm. is what makes them exceptional. Correct. So in the case of Lance Armstrong, before his doping thing, people would often talk about how he had uh particular anatomical anomaly that made him um, metabolize oxygen in a different way and made him more, uh, his lungs have a greater capacity and all this stuff. And that was just the way he was born and made him exceptional. That wasn't enough for him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He decided to take it up a notch synthetically, but... In the case of this article, there's a woman who competes in track and field. Some, so what's her name? Samina? This, Sam- this gal is named Duti Shand oh, of India. Oh, there's more then. That's the thing. It's a problem because in her case, she um, just has exceptionally high testosterone levels, mm-hmm. but nothing about her genitalia or anything 
anything else, just high testosterone. Right, because that's what the Olympic board said that they were going to do is they're measuring like a cutoff for levels of certain... Oh, man, but that... What did they say about her? Well, so for a while she was prohibited from competing in certain competitions because the way that they measured was oh through... And, her, and sometimes her levels are at the level of male. Oh. And so once that you cross that line, she was excluded. But now she's starting to compete. And it's, it's sort of like that's just the way she was born. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, then it read... It inspires the question, what is male and what is female? Her testosterone levels are in the male, you know. Yeah. I could go on. There's a whole bunch of them. There's one I'm looking right now at the 25-year-old South African runner um, named Castor Samina. And there's a whole thing about her. There's, like, all this stuff saying, is she intersex? Is she Because she's 5'10 and 600, uh, 600, 161 pounds and broad-shouldered and has a deep voice and blah, blah, blah. And and then in the, um, and I guess in July, they lifted that testosterone limit for the Olympics. So in the Rio Olympics, there was an unusual amount of intersexed athletes. Yeah. And then this is where in that book, The Sports Gene, they he wrote a whole thing on how we see a the rate of um non gender conforming individuals in the Olympics is completely disproportionate to the regular population. Yeah. So it shows you that there is a complete athletic advantage to this stuff. And I say freaking lift it. Like, who cares? What ifs? Yeah, I but then why don't we let them all do the... the I think we should. I'm with... Performance-enhancing yeah. drugs, too. I don't know why. I just feel like... Make it be a free-for-all. Free-for-all. Everyone can do whatever they want, so then it's all even. Mm-hmm. I, I'll be fine with that. Because it's, it's like, all silly anyway. It is all silly. And then it comes down to the same way... It comes down to the countries that have the best trainers, the best equipment, the best facilities. It's going to be the countries that then have the best scientists that are able to give them the best, you know, drug. That's why Olympic like- athletes are already sent to these training facilities where they're attached to monitors and everything is done and all their metabolism rates are calculated and blah, blah, blah. This is just one step beyond that. Yeah, and it's sort of like, fine let's see what the human body can do. Amen. I'm fine with that. <laughs> let's see how better, stronger, faster kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're already doing it in other countries. Yao Ming is a product of, um, uh, um, I mean, this is kind of different, but... Um, genetic bre- breeding no to make him uh, a purpose? basketball player yes what are you he's saying? a product of like five generations of breeding for a tall individual to be, that was also in that book i he, don't remember that he is the that product is of, of and countries are doing that to try to breed athletes and Jeez. people who can win olympic gold medals that's so interesting and now oh my god this gets me so excited because there are all these um Oh, records being broken now. Like, I think there was something about, I can't remember what, what the, what sport this athlete competed in, but, um, my husband was watching it on ESPN and I was just listening to the, the people on, you know, the, the newscasters talk about like how this guy's breaking records and blah, blah, blah. And from the other side of the room, I go guarantee both of his parents are track stars. And then they, the next sentence was his mother was also a track star and da, 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 because this is one of the first times we're having generations where females are also competing at high athletic levels. And so now you have a superior female athlete, uh, 
mating with a male superior athlete and you get these like insane superhuman like yeah who are going to just shatter records because we've never in the, the my mom's there were not we were just talking about that Boston Marathon woman like the women the that is not that long ago that women were not even allowed to run in the freaking Boston Marathon mm-hmm. and so i think we're just going to see more and more of these um you know amazing athletes across the board worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole well good thing instacart shoppers are as picky as you are they find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line they are milk expiration date detectives they bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This kind of leads me to my next topic, in a way. That's crazy because I don't know how anything I say can lead you to <laughs> well, another Well, just topic. the idea of gender and ah. sex and, and then, I don't know, mating. Yes. Because I... Do you know anybody that identifies as asexual? Like, uh, to your face, said, I am asexual. I have met one person who did identify as asexual because I used to work at the center, the LGBT center in New York City. Okay. Yeah, so one of the girls who worked there was asexual. And what did she say about it? Nothing? Yeah, just, just that that was her choice jam. of... Yeah. She, she was not attracted to, to humans. It's more like... <laughs> to humans. Um, uh, you know, I don't think I... But I really got into it with her because it was just like... You know, we were like acquaintances and just worked together. But from what I've, it's almost like, don't you, I mean, I think every, especially for females have that time where you just don't experience the heightened states of sexual arousal and you just can't, it, it's not, well, I mean, what do you think? I mean, I'm kind of fascinated by the group in general because A, I can't relate and B, Nobody ever just says that's what they are. People. I think s- people don't know. Oh. It's just all they've ever known, and they sort of just think they have a low sex drive or And I think they often force... I watched a do- I, I, some documentary or some like Vice episode that was talking about this, and there are people out there, some researchers in this field who believe that there are an equal percentage of the population that are asexual that are... Gay. Gay. Yeah. Okay, well, let me tell you about this article, and you can tell me what you think. Yes. This caught me off guard. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. So the title is, and I'll put it in the newsletter, What Asexual People Sexually Fantasize About. Oh, good question. <laughs> I didn't think they did, number one. And so they did this study. Alone time, reading, <laughs> movies, solo dates. That sounds all good to me. In fact, I might be asexual. Okay, so there are differences between asexual and sexual groups in terms of masturbation and sexual fantasy, but the similarity between the groups on several of these measures is striking. Hmm. For example, nearly half of asexual women and three-quarters of asexual men reported both experiencing sexual fantasy and masturbating despite reporting a lack of sexual attraction to other people and identifying as asexual. Okay. What the devil... Hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell me what in the hell that means. So 
That's interesting. So they are. I'm. I'm curious as to what they are fantasizing about or masturbating. It says. It, does it say that there there's any that. that not specifically, but that they're sexual in nature. Mm-hmm. It's not like reading or like they're not dreaming about right. running through the park. They're dreaming about sex or, or fantasizing, I should say. But are they fa- fantasizing about solo sex or fantasizing about sex with another individual? Oh, okay. Let me see. Because like... Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. Especially it for women, since so much of our sex drive and what turns us on is linked to our mind and what... It seems to indicate that they're having traditional, not, not solo versions. Hmm. Weird, right? Yeah. This isn't, like, then that makes me question what the label means. Well, and also, I think it's hard to. Because, let me just interrupt. Be, yeah, go ahead. Because it says more research will need to be needed to ascertain whether this is because the individual cannot act on their desires, right? right? right. So like that's what I was going to get. It's not at. that they're not attracted. Is it because they had a negative experience that then caused and maybe they're unaware that they even had a negative experience to begin with. Like they could have had an experience that traumatized them with while like some sexual experience that traumatized them and repressed that and then anytime they get in a similar state with another person, there's a level of anxiety even going up to that that then makes them avoidant of any of those situations to begin with. Mm-hmm. So it could all just be like, you know. Yeah. The key, that says the key takeaway is just there's not a lot of difference between the two groups. Hmm. It's so weird to me. It says oftentimes they fantasized in a third person sort of way. Oh, like, With both asexual men and women far more likely than their sexual counterparts to fantasize about situations not involving them. Oh, not involving. But they're aroused by the idea. Of sex, but they don't want to be a part of it. Right. Huh. So that makes well, you wonder, wonder why. Yeah, and it's almost like a, a depersonalizing it, you know, can also be a protective measure. I mean, but then again, we would have to talk to somebody who's asexual and is, says that they're asexual. Here's a quote from someone. Okay. I do have sexual fantasies about... <laughs> It's like I'm afraid someone will take this and act like I'm saying it. I do have sexual fantasies, but most of the time they do not involve me or any real person. I sexually fantasize about fictional male couples and their romantic and sexual relationships and events. They're all monogamous relationships where they're faithful to one another. No affairs. And Mm. uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Also, that person's being so specific on it being a monogamous thing and no affairs... Kind of is a red flag that maybe they had a past experience or grew up in a family where a parent cheated on the other one and it caused a riff in the family. And now that they they think, yeah, I mean, you can't, you really have to dive deep into the individual. It's like a case by case basis. Right. So then this other person said um, they don't put themselves in the fantasies that that's unappealing but they imagine other people in sexual situations and focus on their thoughts and feelings for a sort of vicarious arousal uh-huh. and that they enjoy the idea of other people exploring this sexuality. Well, then I think it's also, uh, I mean, there's men and women too because with, oh my gosh. Okay. We were just talking about, in last week's episode, we were talking about how women experience a you know heightened state of arousal right before mm-hmm. they're... Um, ovulating. Yeah. 
and maybe the these actions like these um the times where they are masturbating or they're ha- having these fantasies or they're fulfilling any sort of like sexual feelings or or acting on any sexual feelings is more of a biological response than an emotional or mental one. Like, you know, you, right. Like your body just needs, it's an urge. Yeah. The same, like, like the same way a wet dream or something like that would be how like, this is, uh, I bet if you were to mark and really have somebody who is a sexual and a female track when they are masturbating or when they're doing that, I would bet that it would be fall within that three day period right around ovulation Mm -hmm. where they are biologically just feeling like that. And it's almost like on days like that for me, I wake up and it's like, I have like a female version of morning wood. Yeah. You know? Yep. Well, um, it does say that 20% of the asexual men and 35% of the asexual women never, ever fantasize. Yeah. Whereas with um, sexual, normal, or Mm -hmm. traditional people, Mm -hmm. um, that is 0%. (laughs) <laughs> like don't fantasize yeah. oh yeah I, right. I, it would be impossible for me to close my eyes and not think of something like that yeah i just if you're asexual and you would not mind coming on the show oh, oh God, you could use that. an alias or like whatever but yeah. i just would love to talk to that person about what it's like and mm-hmm. i really am curious and want to uh learn more because i think it's one of those things that we haven't really scratched the surface of and there could be a lot and maybe uh, there's so much about nature and biology that we don't know about and you know, you know what we do know about. What do we know about society? Oh six. my god, I'm obsessed. Okay, tell everybody. So we have to make each and every one of you go to this website called Society Six. Sarah and I are addicted. All I do is look at that all the time. <laughs> it is this amazing website that has a gazillion things that you could buy for your home, from pillows to shower curtains to prints to. I mean, doormats, everything mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. could ever Backpacks, want. Backpacks, wall tapestries, carry-all pouches. And they're made by artists, and the artists are paid for their work, for, for all the orders that they get. But they're, you can put the, the art on basically anything, a pillow, yes. whatever. And so you're, you're getting this original eye-grabbing decor and original designs, meaning not everyone on your block has it, like whenever you shop at certain stores and Mm -hmm. everyone has the same crap. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is the opposite of that. It's all so... It's unique and will make your lifestyle so beautiful. And there's style for every single... Oh, my God. Whatever your style is. I'm obsessed. I'm looking at this cup right now that says... Because they put them on mugs and it says... Oh, my God. They're so funny. There's one mug that's painted all pretty that says, Eat a bag of dicks. (laughs) And then there's one that uh, <laughs> that says, I like my coffee black like my soul. I like all of those. Yeah, they have that style or my style, which is more not wordy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. You got a beautiful map for your son's room. I will put it on Instagram because you guys will love it. And then I saw that you could get the map on, because I'm redoing my bathroom. You can get that same one on a shower curtain. Adorable. It, you know what I mean? Like yeah. You can put it on different things. So for the love of art... Go to society6.com slash BCP and enter our code BCP at checkout and you receive 20% off your whole order. Oh my God, I'm going to go right now. Plus free shipping. 
That's society6.com slash BCP and enter our code BCP at checkout to receive 20% off your order plus free shipping. Amplify your lifestyle with the perfect artwork. Don't wait. Discover. And you know what we discovered on the site was this real world section. Oh my God. That's Tell them right. About that. uh, what, okay. What are the chances? Right. So we <laughs> right. team up with this great company, society6.com, uh, and I'm just like searching around. And I'm like, what the heck is this? When I click on home, they have a section like a lookbook section where they do like little collections for you. So if you want to redecorate your room and like, Oh, I don't know what to put together. Cause mm-hmm. well, you just click on this little section and it said MTV real world. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Go, on. Go on. So I click on it and it's the look from the real world Seattle house. No, it's uh is it Seattle? Yes. Oh, is it? Yes. Oh, that's cute. Or and there's I think like, that's the one I, I saw on. pillows, I saw artwork, yes. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And I guess they had that in their house. It looked super cute, and you can have it too. Yeah. I mean, that is pretty funny. It's adorable. Hold on, I got a sip. Yeah. You know, I did uh, some artwork um, for the real world. Uh, yes. In X's. I remember what, that. What was it called? X X's or skeletons or one, not skeletons. I, had I skeletons. think it was the, the one where you're. The person you used to date came back okay. to the house. Probably exes. Or whatever. And um, I still have one left, and I think I want to put it up. Maybe I'll put it to, great idea. to, uh, to uh, offer to you guys, because I got a big painting. If any of you guys are interested in some of the art that, that was also cool. in the real world house. I love that. It's like a big piece of, you know, some cool stuff. So That's a great that idea. Coming soon. Coming, Coming soon. soon. Um, okay. I read another article. Do you want to hear about it? I, I love to hear about everything. Um, I have to put down the Society6 website or I have so I won't focus. Yeah, you do. <laughs> it's addicting. It sure is. Um, so I, this was another one in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Um, this was about Weight Watchers. Oh, okay. And you know what? I might have read two articles. Regardless, the mm-hmm. point is... The one article was about Weight Watchers, sort of the history and how they're having, they had to evolve. Yes. Because dieting is not in fashion anymore. And it now everything's about body positivity, right? And like wellness and being strong, whatever size you are. Mm-hmm. And so they totally rebranded. And I found it so interesting. So like, you know how they partnered with Oprah. She bought like 40% of the company or something. Oh. And she did those commercials where she was like, I love bread. Right. I did see that. She's and, like, I can eat bread now. Yeah. yeah. And so they were exploring how that evolution occurred and why. And it told the story of Weight Watchers and how the woman that started it, how she did it. She wrote a book that now if you read it, it sounds so antiquated and like, horrible because she'll say you know like you know fat is ugly and i'm gonna help you get rid of it stuff like that and that's just not how people talk now now there's still lots of problems where there's body shaming and by the way just i'll get back to this but when i posted that picture the other day where my boobs looked big Mm -hmm. i was actually appalled by the reaction because i showed you the picture and i was like but my boobs look so big i don't want to post it but i really love this picture that my husband took of me and I think it's lovely and I decided to post it almost like an experiment Mm -hmm. and so first of all the shirt that I'm wearing in the picture is not uh revealing in any way it's It's a tank top top. and you can't see cleavage or anything like that and the caption that I wrote wasn't about sex or body or anything uh suggestive Mm -hmm. and 
immediately people started commenting, not just men either, women, boobs, 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 everything was boobs, your boobs look huge, holy boob job, whatever, all Mm -hmm. this stuff. And so I had to update the caption to say, please don't comment on my boobs. We mm. get, I get it. They're big. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all there is to say. They're big. Right. What else you got? Yeah. And, but that didn't stop people. Wow. I bet almost, it made more. Almost every single person after that. Wow. Not, in, not all of them were mean. Some right. of them were like, oh, get it, girl. I love those boobies. Right. But still, like, it made me uncomfortable that people were so comfortable commenting on my body. Now I have to look at it. And so I feel... That part of it is just natural human instinct if, the, if there's a body part that sticks out like that. Yeah. But part of it is because it, people know that it's a boob job and they feel like that is something that is not off limits. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. That's the same way I feel like uh, why people can be a little bit, I mean, sort of, a little bit more intrusive if you've been on reality television because they feel like you've already done something to open the door to yeah that like that you're f- like you made that game. choice yeah you're fair game because you made the choice to get breast implants regardless of what the reason was for them and now everybody gets to comment and i get it that instagram if you post a picture in a public domain right, 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 that, right, right. you know you kind of have to accept that people are going to comment and that you're putting your own private life mm-hmm. on the public area but i just don't get why if my picture is not suggestive, my clothes aren't, and my c- caption is not, mm-hmm. some people enjoy that. Like, they're trying to right. be sex- sexual. And, and usually they, there's a hint. Yeah, I was not. No. And so I just felt really upset that mm. my body is something that people feel like they should comment on. And people don't... You don't know why I got breast implants. You never know why somebody got them. Mm-hmm. And don't assume that it's about me wanting to flaunt big tits everywhere. It's just not the case. Right, right. So anyway, that's just to say that this whole industry about body and mm-hmm. women and how, how we want to look and the words we use to talk about our body is so interesting. Well, and then the thing that's kind of frustrating as somebody on the other side of that spectrum, I... Well, I mean, I've gotten a few comments about a lack thereof, like not having boobs. By women or men usually. Yep. But I especially got comments about it in the real world house. By the? Men. Okay. All the time. And imagine what the comments would be if I went and got a boob job. This is what I mean, because Ashley got one recently. Right. And then Johnny made the comment on Champs versus Pros, like, I hope she doesn't pop her new titties or whatever. And everyone talks about how she won the prize money and then got a boob job. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and she's not the only one. There's lots mm-hmm. of us who, mm-hmm. after their time on the show, mm-hmm. felt inadequate yep. for, oh, I don't know why, because of what you're saying. Yeah. Because our bodies are discussed constantly right. not just by the audience but by the people in the house i mean it's the exact same thing that i what we joked about on one of our first episodes about where they put me in all the pictures yeah and it wasn't until i was on a season with johnny that they put me in the very front right even though i've been because a you winner don't for look years. like because i don't look like but you can't win no, I can't. if you got a boob job i mean i can't even imagine <sighs> what you know who would say and or whoever and the way that they would talk about you. 
And yet, if you don't get one, you're... Oh, my God. I could not even imagine what they would say. Right? Right. And, but when you don't have one, you're, like, less than... I'm, and I'm also... I'm considered asexual on the show. I, I don't have a sexuality on the show. Right. But it's like... Never did. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Correct. And then if you get them, they're, they make jokes. You're slutty. You're, you're yeah. cheap. You look stupid. Right. Whatever. Dang. I, that's why the, the PhD has really come in handy because I don't get too much of that. Like, what are you going to say? What are you... Yeah. Please. Right. Call me doctor. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay. So back to the Weight Watchers thing. So... I found it so interesting because I'm intrigued by the body positivity movement because I'm Mm -hmm. still learning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, People mm -hmm. that started our show from the beginning can probably hear that our language has changed the way we talk about um, bodies and uh, size and things like that. We're still learning. But in the article, it talked about how dieting is out, right? People don't want to use that language. They want to get healthy. They want to get strong. They're body positive no matter what size. But then it, it said, but they don't. They want to lose weight. Yes. And so they still want to join these groups and lose the weight, but they don't want to frame it in that way. Well, and also, there, I think that's the best way to approach it because there was another... And Oh, my... I'm going to find this study so that you guys can see that there is real, actual evidence behind this that... People who thought of themselves as fit and healthy Mm -hmm. lost, and I want to say the percentage is like 30% more weight than those who didn't have that outlook. Where they thought they were doing the exact same thing, but they were, I don't know if they had some sort of daily mantra that they told themselves or like some idea of this is the target weight for me and I'm strong and I'm healthy. So I think by combining those... I'm I just like I was saying before, like we're adding layers and layers to like what we know. Okay, well, we know that, um, you know, when you call it a diet, it doesn't work and most people are going to fail because mm-hmm. they feel like they can't keep them, hold themselves to that. Yeah. But, and then we know that if people think that they look good and feel good and are strong, that they'll lose more weight, that can all help somebody like lose even more by, by I like that rebranding. I like that because you do kind of have to have the the right attitude going in and an attitude of uh i have so much work to do and i'm never going to get there is doesn't help self-sabotage self-sabotage yeah yes yeah i just i think it's really interesting and i see the language changing i am intrigued by the oprah partnership because she's had so many like ups and downs and it's so much a part of her identity. In fact, I saw an interview with her maybe a year or two ago and somebody, it might've been Barbara Walters asked her like, what are you like still working on? Like what Uh haven't you figured out yet? And she was like the weight thing. And this was before she joined Weight Watchers. And the interviewer was like, I can't believe you're saying that. Like a billionaire woman cannot get it together. In because that I think what she's really saying is her coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. I think what she's really saying is almost like an addict is saying, I struggle with addiction. Mm-hmm. And that is something that it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Right. You, it, you, nobody is in, you know, I was, uh, I was talking to my psychiatrist who said, 
it's crazy to think it doesn't matter if you own a Lamborghini or you own a, a Honda Civic, they all have to go in for maintenance and every now and then something happens to them and you get a flat tire or whatever. It doesn't matter. You are still a person and you can still suffer from the same, in fact, even more. I mean, especially when everybody pictures you as being so perfect and having everything so together, but inside mm-hmm. you're struggling and you're like, oh God. Yeah. You see it all the time. May I offer you a drink? Sure. What, what do you got? Well, <laughs> well, our friends at Bright Cellars sent us some <laughs> Just Zeno. Said yes, so easy. And they wrapped it up all beautifully, of course. And I told them I wanted, um, I like my wine like I like my men, mm. full bodied and dry. And then I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> But uh, like we love it anyway. I, I just love red, of course, my fave. So we have our selection here, and so I'm going to pour you a nice cabernet. Oh, yay! I love to a enjoy. Cab. And the fun thing about Bright Sellers is that, as you've heard us talk about before, the two guys that started the company, two MIT grads, mm-hmm. developed an algorithm that uses a, a short quiz to match you with the absolute best wines for your palate. So once you receive your wine, you're able to rate and review them so that you can keep, like, they can keep adjusting the algorithm oh, yeah, for yeah. you. But we love algorithms around here. Love them. And we love wine. Um, it's great for people that have a hard time choosing the right one. Like, if you're basing it on the label, Oh, my stop God, don't doing do that. that. <laughs> they know that you're doing that, and they put really crummy stuff in really <laughs> cute labels, especially for women. We're like, all right, we'll buy that. No, this you a, need an algorithm. This is a solution to that problem. Bright Sellers is a personalized subscription wine service, and it's found this solution through this quiz. So use the link brightsellers.com slash candy for 50% off your first shipment. Wow. Yes. And cheers to that. 50% off. Dang. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, come on. Well, Get it together. It a little bit. That was my coaster fell off my glass. I was reading Sorry. this thing about wine. Tell me if you've heard this and oh, if, okay. if you will yeah. agree that um, there is no such thing as being wine drunk or tequila drunk or beer drunk. Yeah, it's all just drunk drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something you're shocked uh, by? The, no. The thing that I think contributes most to it are the added things like sugars and tannins and other like sulfate, sulfides and things like that mm-hmm. that are, and also the quality, like the way it's distilled and the, but that will there change is a how difference. Dr- what kind of drunk you are though? Man, you know, that's a really good question it's, because I don't. I've had mezcal tequila. Well, this is what everyone or mezcal, says. And I'm definitely different on mezcal than on wine. This is what's funny. Wine, I, now I... Because mm, I... Anecdotal I think everybody has, knows what that, like a wine tipsy yeah. versus a margarita tipsy. And then you think, is it just the context where you have margaritas? You're more likely uh-huh, to be like, woohoo! Uh-huh, uh-huh. Or what? It's got to be. I mean, New York Magazine. That's says where it's from. No such thing. Science of Us. Yeah. Yes. That's the article. Followed by crack.com that says five different boozes with five different buzzes. What? They're feeding us lies. I know. But then, I don't know. Because I do know that um, the. The hangovers are different. Like if you have clear alcoholic vodka, your um, hangover won't be as bad as if you have dark liquor or dark wine. 
that the hangover is more intense. I know you're not listening, Sarah. No, I am. I'm just also knowing, I, I, I'm also <laughs> reading that, that the science supports what you're saying. Yes. It's all fake. It's oh. all in our head. That the buzz is, what? That the, the buzz is different. Okay, the buzz is different. Yeah. Damn it. But then it says that beer makes you feel slower and clumsy. That's oh. what people report. Okay. And it says if we're using beer as the control group, then what beer does is the standard response because alcohol affects the cerebellum, which controls your muscle movements. All of alcohol does that, but... Pe- <sighs> I know, it's tricky, it, right? Everything says... I mean, yeah, we're no. tackling the really scientific stuff over here, you guys. Mm. Everybody listening, though, will Science be Science like, basically says it's all in our heads. Yeah, and maybe it is the context. Mm-hmm. If you're doing shots, you're probably in an environment where it's going to feel like, woohoo. And maybe the rate of which the alcohol is consumed. So, like, wine has a much lower percentage of alcohol. So, right. if you're drinking that slower, then you're going to feel more, uh, like, slow-release effect of the alcohol. But if you are taking shots and you're doing, al- you know, drinking yes. alcohol that's, like, I don't know, whatever proof, and you have two of those, <laughs> you are going to feel the effects of the alcohol much faster. Yeah. And... Yeah. You know what I want them to make, but I'm glad that they don't. What? Is like a hangover cure. Like it's really good Do that you there have is one? a punishment. No. And I'm glad because it, I want to be punished if I drink too much because right. otherwise I'd be, be an alcoholic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for sure. Like God. if there was no consequence. <laughs> when I go to Aspen Food and Wine every year and that last Sunday, I don't want to talk to anybody and all I want is, a, is like a kale smoothie. I do oh. not want any your mouth there's an actual thing called palate fatigue no where if you drink especially with red wines and you drink we're like olympians then olympians no (laughs) i I get it but you get palate fatigue from and it's almost like you can't even taste the differences in the wines anymore because your palate's just like and even when you eat if you go to this is like so first world problems (laughs) if you go to a tasting of like a, a multiple course tasting menu yes you get to a few oh, in, you, you oh, can't even up. say it. You can't even taste it. You almost like get sick because it's too rich, and your palate's oh, like, your... Well, well, I can't." Oh, Sarah. I mean, come on. I mean, the same thing would probably happen if you ate an entire gallon-sized even... thing of M and M's. It isn't even first-world problems. It's just like Sarah. Problems. Oh, get out! <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had your problems. Those sound great. <laughs> great problems. I want to have palate fatigue. fatigue. I get. Oh, that's. So I just funny. get sleepy. It's not my palate. It's just my whole body. People believe that headaches, though, from wine come from histamine and tyramine naturally present in wine. And it's like a one-two punch because histamine dilates blood vessels. And then tyramine first constricts and then dilates them. So that kind of like constricting and dilating thing only happens with wine. So maybe the thing that people are feeling with wine is more like a physical, like you're just getting a headache. So you kind of attribute that to like the hangover, the effect of it. Yeah, I could see that. You know, so it's like a... I love this wine, whatever the heck... uh, these bright cellar people put in there. Yes. Is it a cab? Yes. I'll take it. My, yes. Is my it in my glass? I'll take it. My is happy and not fatigued at not all. Not at all in my wine time glass. Jing, jing. <laughs> Which, by the way, Sarah found, Sarah unearthed yeah. a stash of wine time glasses. I thought, I thought we were sold out. I don't even know if they're on the website anymore. Oh, my God. We should put them back up there. I'm sure some people would like to drink with us in those glasses. Yeah, we have wine time glasses that, you know... Everyone should be drinking out of. Adam is the designer of those beauties. Oh, they're so cute. I love them. 
And, um, yeah, she found a whole box of them. So if you want some, let us know. I'll have to put that back up on the website. Um, oh, do you? This is a, I just, this just, I had this thing up on, because I was looking up stuff to, to, uh, look, just, you know, talk about during this episode. Mm-hmm. And this just, I just clicked on this, um, website that was my fun facts, my list of, uh, 52 arousing facts about sex that I was going to share with you. Oh yeah. And, um, this one was just interesting cause it's on almost the very top of the list that married people are more likely to masturbate than people living alone. Why? I don't know. That's very strange. Yeah. I'm, let's see what the study is. I have to find out what that study is. I'll look into that. But isn't that an interesting one? Do you think it's because people living alone are banging other people all the time? Like other people or like each other? <laughs> people living alone? Oh, people living alone are banging yeah. other. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought you meant like married people. <laughs> I'm like, what, what, what kind of free mar- relationship are you in? Open marriage are you in? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, you're probably right. Maybe they're like getting it on the side so they don't need to. And married people are like... I mean, my husband travels 250 That's days true. out of the year. Thank God you have those weird videos or whatever it is. Mm, the hypnoti- massage. Oh, hypno- oh, my hypnosis one. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, the hypnosis where yeah. the, you swear it works. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It just goes to show how easily suggestible you are. Definitely. Is that the right phrasing? How you are a highly, you're in, highly influenced by suggestion? There you go. Yeah. That works too. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's all for now, unless you want to read some more facts. Mm, I do. Do it. Oh, this is fun. There are about, there are between 500 and 1,000 deaths per year due to autoerotic asphyxiation. Can you believe that? Yeah. Oh, there was a great bit a com- comedian did about that, about how, like, the cost benefit, like, orgasms are pretty great. Right. And <laughs> so even if it got 50% greater, how could that possibly be worth the risk no, of not. hanging yourself. It, what's the guy that... Oh, Michael Hutchins. Yeah. From In Excess, the band. There was another one, too. Oh. The guy from... Oh, he was on... In Quentin Tarantino movies. Mm. And he did it, too. I want to say a name, but it's going to be totally wrong. If, if you die of that, there should be an unwritten rule where nobody tells that that's how it happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to say the wrong there name. Something ass- Cassidy... <laughs> that's not right. I, I, it's, just, it doesn't even matter if it's right. It's funny to me. It's something like that. <laughs> you really are terrible with names. The worst. Um, according to the Kinsey Institute, the average speed of semen during an, an ejaculation is, guess. Eight miles an hour. 28. Gross. Way faster. Way faster. Oh, that is really interesting. And horrible. Um, if you had to guess that uh, outside the bedroom, what is the most common place for adults in the U.S. to have sex? What would you guess? Oh, uh, outside of the bedroom. Mm-hmm. The shower. Oh, good guess. But no, it's the car. How is that more common than the car? Once I did shower. it with my husband in the parking lot of an Andrea Bocelli concert. <laughs> we know. <laughs> Am I sure that I'm going Yeah, but it's so great. Oh, that's funny. That is so oh, weird. Gosh. The car. Okay. Good and for then them. Uh, we already knew this one, but during 30 minutes of active sex, the average person burns approximately 200 calories. Yeah, and that is worth it. That is fantastic. Yeah. And uh, there are, every day there are about 100 million acts of sexual intercourse a day globally. There Thanks you for go. sharing. Contribute to the statistics, people. Get out there and love each other. We'll see you safely. next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye.